The Foul Life Podcast is back. We got another episode of The Provider Presents The Foul Life Podcast, theproviderlife.com. Finish what you started. Our dry rubs, two new ones coming soon. The brand beef rub, the mother cluck and chicken rub to go along with our 10 originals, our cookbook. You can get them right now at theproviderlife.com. Today's episode is awesome, man. We got a recipe that just blew my mind. It's ground elk and outlaw spicy ranch chips, stuffed speckle belly goose, where we kept the skin and the fat on the Traeger. We smoked it out and then we reverse seared it in a cast iron on high heat. We even bring in one of our producers, Mr. Jack Orlando. You've heard him here before at the Fat Life Podcast to tell us about his experience in camp so far and trying out this recipe. The provider, finish what you started, presents the Fat Life Podcast with Joel Cleefish, myself, Chad Belding, and Jack Orlando. Laundy. Today's episode of the Fat Life Podcast is also brought to you by Sig Sauer. We believe in defending our, our homes, our families, our friends, our Second Amendment rights, our right to bear arms. This is how our country was built, y'all. Think about it. And Sig Sauer is right there. Our military, our first responders, our blue line, our police officers, they support them all. They build weapons. They build handguns. They build products that are going to keep us safer in our communities, and in our, in our houses. I want to be protected. I want to keep this life going for as long as possible. I don't want to make mistakes. I believe in handguns. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in protecting ourselves. I believe in educating ourselves and gaining more and more confidence and respect for that firearm. I believe in teaching our next generation about gun safety and confidence in shooting a gun, even if it is a handgun. Don't be afraid of it. Take a course. Get your CCW, your Concealed Weapons Carry Permit, Make sure that you understand the weapon. And that's why Sig Sauer is so beneficial to what we do because they're willing to teach on a daily basis. You've heard our podcast series, Sig Sauer's Peace of Mind, where we bring in the likeness of Jason St. John, who is a, a military sniper in the Army. We also bring in Jared Woodward, who is a police officer in Reno, Nevada, active duty. We talk to these guys. We get in their brains. We want to become the best marksman, precisionist we can with our Sig Sauer handguns. And that's exactly why we've teamed up with Sig Sauer. So check them out at SigSauer.com as well on all of your social media platforms. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is also brought to you by the one and only Federal Black Cloud. Federal Premium Black Cloud. We've been shooting at these molt migrators up here in New York, which is where we're recording this episode of the podcast. Basswood Lodge, Nick McNamara, they have it going on up here. We're calling big, big groups of big, big Canada geese from a mile high. They're migrating out of Canada, coming over that Ottawa line into America. They get to this part of New York, and it's so fun calling at them. You got to scream at them, and you finish big flocks of big, greater Canada geese, 9, 10, 11, 12-pounders right in the decoy spread, and the black cloud is taking care of them, dispatching them, no cripples, maybe a couple, but that happens in waterfowl hunting. We love Black Cloud. We depend on it day in and day out. And you can see it on every single one of our hunts dating back for 10 years now. This is our 11th season. So go back and watch 10 years of reruns of Benelli's The Foul Life, and you're going to see Black Cloud performing. They got more and more innovation coming for 2023. I'm fired up. I'm glad y'all are here. This is The Foul Life Podcast. The provider presents. Remember, finish what you started. If you kill it, learn how to cook it and eat it. Make somebody just smile when they put their teeth into that meat. It's going to be an amazing episode. It's with my boy, Joel Cleefish and Jack Orlandi. We're talking about another awesome recipe. Like I said, ground elk and outlaw spicy ranch chips stuffed into a speckle belly goose on the Traeger to smoke it out with the skin and the fat on. And then we reverse sear it. It was absolutely amazing. I hope you all enjoy. 
And just like that, we're back with the bullet. Jack Orlandi's got a sick-ass mullet. If you mess with him, I'm going to say, look at it, cool it. You can't mess with Jack. I'll put you on your back. Come at me. I'm going to get my gun off the gun rack of my 82 Ford with the step side. You come with CB, it's going to be a long ride or a short one. Because if you mess with me, you're going to get all three guns, my 270 and both my pipes, my left arm, my right arm from being in the gym. Not Slim Jim like Randy Macho Man Savage. I will be a savage like Michael Savage, the news radio host. I don't mean to boast, but I'm like hot butter on the breakfast toast. Okay, that's enough of the freestyle rap. Just that was pretty good, huh? It wasn't horrible. Horrible. That was awesome. That was awesome. It's just this is just next level. The Foul Life Podcast. We're back. Today's episode is brought to you again from the provider, theproviderlife.com, at the provider life on Instagram and Facebook. Finish what you started. Get our dry rubs. We got two new ones coming out, the Mother Cluck and Chicken Rub and the Brand Beef Rub, our cookbook. 264 pages, 82 recipes. Man, it's awesome. The ultimate pack, all 10 of our original dry rubs. We love it. And we're talking provider life today because we uh, have been doing these recipes and we did one tonight that was pretty freaking awesome. We're just going to throw down on what we did. Jack, was that dinner good? Jack Orlandi is one of our guests. He's one of our producers, videographers, editors, post-producers, field producers from Chicago. Jack Orlandi is here. And then we also have Joe Clayfish. Joe Clayfish is from Wisconsin. What town are you from? Born and raised in Waukesha, the home of Les Paul and the Bodines. Les Paul's a guitar maker. Yes. And he was a guitar player. Inventor of the solid body electric guitar and multi-track recording. Yeah, what a stud. Yeah, he's he's set the tone for the modern rock and roll era. The best guitarist to ever play, unless Paul is Slash. Yeah? I think he's even got his own signature series. That wouldn't surprise me. He's Slash. Slash. Prettiest yeah. riffs of all time. November Rain, Sweet Child of Mine, Rocket Queen. Good stuff. He played the with best. Michael Jackson, too. He played with Michael Jackson. He's played with everybody. Yeah, he's talented. He's really talented. Way better than sticks. Do you think his hair is naturally curly? Eh, yeah, um, it always was. I don't know if he perms it. He's sober now and he's in shape. Like me. Half of that is true. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> but that dinner tonight, we're talking dinner. We're talking wild game, living off the land. And I want to specifically tell it was such a weird kind of dinner because we started with an appetizer of pulled goose sandwiches and pulled goose roll-ups. I call that a roll-up. It was kind of like a, a wrap, I guess. Sure. And then a, a pulled goose salad I had. A little of the pulled goose on a salad, and it was awesome. And But the main entree tonight was speckle belly, full-body speckle belly, skin and fat on. We were going to smoke it out on the Traeger and then reverse sear it, but we also... You went unorthodox on it and did a stuffing. Yeah. So we're going to talk tonight about this speckle belly that we had because it was unbelievable. We're going to talk about the skin on. We're going to talk about the, the provider rub we used, which was the foul. Then we're going to talk about your stuffing. We're going to talk about the smoking on the Traeger. We're going to talk about the reverse sear on a cast iron skillet on a propane heater on a real high heat in vegetable oil. And then we're going to talk about your sauce because you're a sauce guy. I love your sauces. Sauces. 
I don't know if I'm a sauce guy. Jack, are you a sauce guy? Do you? I had, there was one time Tyson was working with me and he, I would go all out on a breakfast and I'd be so prideful of my eggs and duck sauce, whatever you're having. And then he just would open up whatever hot sauce was in reach or sight and just douse it with it. And I'm like, that kills the flavor of everything. I don't know. Is there really an ideology that hot sauce enhances the flavor of food? It's an addiction. It's got to be an addiction. Actually, it's an addiction. It's got to be, right? Yeah, it is. Like, I don't douse my stuff in hot sauce, but I'm definitely addicted to hot sauce. I got to have something spicy. Or I shouldn't say I'm addicted to hot sauce. I'm addicted to spicy food in a way. So if it's not spicy, it's not very appealing to me. So hot sauce can fix that. So Tabasco being, or Chalupe, or not Chalupe, but Chalula. Chalula. And there's one other one that's Frank's. El Tapatio. Frank, they're on every table on most restaurants before COVID. But I never understood that mentality that you got to get a hamburger and you got to put every condiment on it. Like a good hamburger with just the oil or the butter used on it or how you do your bun is suffice. If you really have good beef and you understand how to cook a burger to the right temperature, you do not taste the meat or the experience of a burger when you put relish and mayo and mustard and ketchup and lettuce and tomato and cheese and avocado and bacon like what like that's like a bloody mary like that's like putting every like all like what are we really doing right i don't I, do you think that a burger needs all that you're shaking your head like you do kind of you're missing the point. You're missing the point of layers, layers of, of taste, layers of flavor, multiple uh, I'm different. Missing, I'm missing uh, the point. Well, you're missing the point of, of multiple uh, flavor dimensions masking, to something. You're masking you're, okay, the there's, taste. There's two schools of thought on this, right? One school of thought is you never touch a good piece of meat with a sauce. You don't need a sauce for a good piece of meat. Anything that you cook, any protein that you cook should be good enough to stand on its own to stand alone then the other side of that is that there are many people who cook and who are chefs and restaurateurs who pride themselves in their sauces their sauciers but eating a hamburger plain hamburger so then in, in what you're talking about why why put a bun with it then you don't have to well you don't have to and a if bun, it's a great a, 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 but I, I think that I, in my opinion, here's why. Traditionally, a hamburger is, is a, a bun and meat, just like a hot dog is a bun and a dog. I think that eating a hot dog with, like, if you eat a kielbasa is okay, like an Italian sausage is pretty good, a brat can be okay. Um, but Major League Baseball Park, a hot dog in a bun, and, and I'm talking like a high quality Nathan's or a good hot dog. Hebrew National. Hebrew National is better Nathan's. I love Hebrew. You National. don't need a condiment on it. Now look, you don't. I, I need love the a taste. Condiment. I love the taste of that toasted bun, and the and the hot dog. I look forward to. It. That's the only place I really eat a hot dog as at a, ba- a major league right. baseball game. Are you a wine drinker? I, I would not classify. Okay. That. Do you appreciate a good wine? I think that it's hard for me. It's easier for me to tell a good whiskey. But okay, it is fine. for me to tell a good Do you wine. appreciate a good whiskey? You do. Yeah. You drink but the best put, whiskey. And I don't put ketchup on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have a multi-dimensional flavor 
going on in a whiskey. Different parts of your tongue taste different flavors. You know, certain parts of your tongue taste salt, certain parts taste sweet. So when you drink a whiskey, you're looking for the start of it, where it hits you first, where it finishes, and what happens in the middle. That is the same thing you're doing when you add dimension to a meat. With it's the a same sauce, thing you're doing. Or onions or grilled onions or pickles or And I would argue that it's the mustard. same thing you're doing with just the beef. Because you got your salt, you got your rub, you got your fat, you have your pepper. True. Beef has all those different things too, just like a whiskey does. No a question good, about a good, it. A good, a good Wagyu burger or a good prime burger does not need condiments. Now, look, I'm not saying that if you gave me a burger with ketchup on it, I'd be like, get that away from me. I'm just saying that we have this notion in our head that a pancake needs syrup and butter. A good pancake that's cooked right and textured right needs nothing on it. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you about that. I mean, you're right. You are correct. Food that's prepared the right way doesn't need assistance. It's an addiction and a mentality it is, that we have to put We, we have, have a mentality in the United States that the longer the title of some kind of food is means the better it is. Tarragon, crusted, tuna, I don't know seared, about that, dude, because pizza is a short word. Pizza and sushi are short words, and those are the two best foods in the yes, world. Yes, but you don't... Steak is a short word. Is your favorite pizza just cheese? I would say that my favorite pizza is 100% pepperoni. Just pepperoni. Fine. Well, you don't need pepperoni. If it's a good pizza, you should be able to eat it with well, just cheese. You're, you're, you're doing something completely different now. Then you would just say, you just need the sauce and the bread. You do just need I the like sauce I like a margarita pizza in Italy. I like a margarita pizza but, here. But now you're talking to something totally, totally different to where now you're just talking about bread and butter because that's what pizza is the base is, right? Is crust and butter, garlic butter. And then you add the marinara and the red sauce. Then you add the, the cheese and then you add the toppings. Which always kills me. Like if you go, first of all, Little Caesars, I'm not a fan of Little Caesars pizza, but just as an example. You are a fan. I can tell not at all. on your face. But let's say you order a Little Caesars pizza and then you order on the side of it the breadsticks with marinara dipping sauce and cheese sauce. So you're essentially eating the pizza in the breadsticks. It's the same ingredients. I agree with that. And you have a good point that pizza could look at as like these layers of layers of flavor. It's but multi-dimensional. Here's, here's how I would argue that. I love a quality pizza. Like Jack comes from the land of quality pizza in Chicago, the deep dish. Yes. Italy's the home. Some people say Asia invented pizza. If you read up on some history right. of the pizza. I have read that. Um, but Italy's known for pizza, right? Yes. When did we get fascinated with my daughter dips every bite of the pizza down to the crust in ranch, ranch and dressing. then she dips the crust in honey. Me growing up, my the first time I saw it, I was 16 good. on an all-star baseball team. We went to Round Table Pizza, which I, for years, said is the best commercial pizza available, like a chain. Round Table's legit pizza. Okay. Todd Salami, our first baseman, this big, tall, freckle-faced, red-headed kid that could crush, went over to the salad bar and loaded up a plate with ranch. And I was, like, mystified. I'm like, I grew up poor. We never could not even afford ranch. <laughs> We'd get some balsamic vinegar <laughs> shit, you know? And I'm like, what is he doing with all that ranch on a plate? Like, is he going to put salad on the top of it? Isn't it supposed to go on top? And he started dipping his pizza in there. And he had pineapple on it with Canadian oh, bacon. See, I'm like, you are wrong. A, that's weird, too, that's right? That's wrong. Um, I'm not saying that I won't eat it. If it's there, but it's not yeah, right. It's but not right. when did we get this fascination with ranch on pizza? First Why does ranch go with pizza? With I, you don't put ranch on spaghetti. That grosses me out. I have a theory. 
I have a theory that it started during that sauces started during lean times when we were going through, you know, lean times in the United States and the, the quality of the meat that you could get for your family wasn't that good or the quality of fish that you had or when you were just, you know, eating cheese. We figured out, I mean, when they were handing out cheese in the cheese lines, you take the cheese home and I think that's how we ended up breading cheese and frying it. I think condiments and sauces uh, were utilized to make less than high quality proteins taste better or at least palatable at the time and that became an art form uh, in the creation of sauces and multi-dimensions of flavor in food i can't argue that but i don't know if it's an art form but it is because a lot of five-star executive chefs will say that they make a great hollandaise or they make a great mushroom sauce for a steak like um jack Jack, you're a pizza guy should you put ranch on pizza hell no see like Tom Rashishin will put five different sauces on his burger and then he'll have ketchup and ranch for his fries. And I look at him, he's like, I'm just a sauce guy. But I'm like, the food, I love it. The food should speak for itself. A good pizza doesn't need ranch. Why would you put ranch on a great piece of pizza? Does it enhance the flavor? No, it masks the flavor. Ranch is strong. A good ranch with buttermilk and the right and the right seasonings is very strong. Why would you need ranch on pizza? It's the same thing about tonight. Like when you made that sauce for that spec, I would never do that. It was great. And I've had a lot of sauces on specs. But I like crispy skin spec just like a slice of steak. You have this mentality about sauces and gravies and all that. When I'm making a sauce, I want it for noodles. I'll put it on noodles. Maybe a chicken Parmesan or a veal Parmesan or something. Oh, I said veal. I don't know if you're allowed to say that on the air. Is that one of the words that you can, you can still say veal? Um, <laughs> you just can't even, you can say it. I don't know if it's a contradiction of saying I'd love spaghetti sauce on noodles and why don't you just eat butter on noodles? But I don't, I don't think that certain things like a burger need to be bombarded with when when did we start mixing mustard ketchup relish mayonnaise like what is that like what does that go together and make and make somebody go i gotta have every condiment on it real quick what's the hate on why is there hate on ketchup what's wrong with it what well ketchup got a bad rap i think during the atkins years because of the sugar in it and the the high acidity and the high carbohydrates with it because it's a high sugar tomato based thing um, I'm a ketchup fan. Like I won't eat a French fry without ketchup and I like a good French fry. So does that contradict? I don't know, but that's contradicting what you're saying. French fries are supposed to have ketchup. Pizza's not supposed to have ranch. But you're deciding. That's yeah. You're deciding right there. Okay. What were French fries supposed to have on them? Ketchup. What's wrong with just French fries? Salt. Nothing. Nothing. I, I'm just saying that if I was going to McDonald's French, fry. if I'm going to put a sauce on some, I would put ketchup on a fry. No question. But I could. there's a lot of fries that I could eat with no, no sauce, just the salt and the oil content. When I eat chicken wings, I will have the right wing buffalo sauce next to a good barbecue sauce, next to ranch, next to a honey mustard, next to a hot mustard. And I, I'll go back and forth while I'm eating those chicken wings, dipping them in the different sauces. To me, a sauce is about 
is a part of the experience. And I'm that guy who eats the venison burger with pickles, ketchup, mustard, mayo, avocado, and bacon. I'm the guy who loves all those different flavors going on at once. Every different part of the taste buds you have is getting blown up at the same time. But that's kind of it. I mean, I'm kind of an indulgent person witnessed by my waistline. So I have. That was an I, insult to myself. It's self-deprecating. That's why it's funny. That was kind of rude. <laughs> uh, so to me, it's really kind of about the the indulgence of the flavor palette. We had that that speckle belly goose tonight, and I'll be honest, that's the first time I've ever had wild. I eat we eat wild goose at my house twenty four seven during the goose hunting season. That was the first time I ever had it plucked with the skin on, like the whole bird, you know. And we and, and we cooked it the same way we would have cooked a beer can chicken on the Traeger tonight. And that crispy, you know, at, put the rub on it for the flavor, and that crispy. Uh, crusty skin on the outside and the the juicy tenderness of that steak-like meat on the inside no question stands stands on its own stood on its own i ate several little slices of it with nothing else on it at the same time i can appreciate that the sauce is complementing the meat so i think sometimes you're looking at sauces as an intrusion versus versus a compliment there's no way that that was not an intrusion on that speck that speck was perfect it, it was great. It was perfect. That sauce, but was, I disagree. That sauce was an, a a good tasting sauce, but it overpowered the meat. If you put it on the meat, you did not taste the same speck that you did when you cut the meat off of the bone with the crispy skin. And what you're describing, you put a one on. You put a one on a good you, on a good fillet. I do not put a one on a good. Do you fillet. put anything on a good piece of beef? I love a. Fantastic Bernays sauce with some asparagus on top and some crab meat, a little Oscar style. Little Oscar. I love it. That's once in a I while. I love it. One out of ten steaks. Oh, probably one out of twenty. One steaks? out of five. Oh, really? Steaks. Big money. You can't hide money. You get crab on that many steaks. <laughs> wow. Damn. I'm Jack, talking about the canned stuff, Chad. Did you hear this? Hey, when you put when you put crab meat on a Salisbury steak, it you doesn't dry rub ribs, or do you have to have barbecue sauce on a rib? No, I prefer them dry rubbed, and then I'll dip it a little bit in the in the barbecue sauce. You know, I eat a fairly low carb lifestyle, so I find ways to be creative uh, with flavor that do not involve sugar. Okay, so back to the original point. Do you like a hamburger with just cheese in a bun? Yes. But you also like stuffing it full of all of that nonsense. I like it better with all of that nonsense. Even though you don't taste the meat when you put all that That's on not true. That's 100% true. The meat becomes part of the equation. Let's just say you got a pie with 16 different fruits in it. If you cut a little slice of each pie and take one bite out of it, you still taste the different fruits in it. That, that wasn't a great analogy. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> 16 different fruits in a pie. <laughs> you still taste the different flavors that are in it. There are foods that hit your tongue right away, foods that take a while for you to process the taste of them, and sauces and condiments and additions. I absolutely love pickles. I love, I'll put pickles on a barbecue sandwich, on a hamburger. I'll put pickles on a breakfast burrito, pickled jalapenos. I, I love that flavor 
in there with it. And a lot of it has to do with texture. Now, sauces have very similar textures very often. But when you're talking about all the stuff you add to a burger, you're talking about changing the texture of it. And a large part of the eating experience and the joy of eating is the mouthfeel and the texture experience part of it. So a hamburger that is just meat and bun. Has a great experience. Dry. It's so, it's, it, no, not dry. Because if you do the beef right, they're far, my no, burger is far from dry. But, you're, you're, but that bite through that bun and that meat and that cheese is the most satisfying burger experience in my opinion you don't in get your opinion well that bacon ruins it when you crunch when you crunch through bacon then the avocado is squishy then the lettuce is crunchy oh, I love then the that. tomato is squishy there's nothing good about so it. so essentially we're boiling it down to the the bottom line of that everybody has a different opinion and belief on it mm. and everybody has a different way i they think enjoy it's it. because our minds have been conditioned that you see a burger, you got to have all that stuff on it because that's what every marketing, if you go to a restaurant, they show the different layers of a burger. I was just in Phoenix and we went to this really nice restaurant in a Marriott and the, the, the burger ad was, you got to have this burger and it broke it down in all these layers. And I'm like, I just want to try the beef. Part of the food experience is what it looks like. Presentation. You I said think it presentation can today. be fine with not any of that. It can be fine. Wonderful. Burger would just meat, cheese, and a bun get old for 30 years? No, not me. I, I'm just saying that my mind is anti-condiment. Not anti, but I'm very low condiment. I said condiment, <laughs> you weirdo. God. Eli, cut that out. <laughs> I said condiment. I know, but that's one of the funniest things I've ever But seen. I couldn't my just... My mind is very low condiment. Yes, like I don't go into a, I don't go into that thing yesterday, and think that I I looked at your plate I looked at your plate yesterday. You had queso, you had guacamole, you had la crema, you had salsa, you had green on there, you had hot sauce, and you're like, I got the hottest thing. And I'm like, dude, can you even taste the steak in here? Can you even taste how good this chicken is? No, you had like seven different sauces on your burrito bowl. There is no way that that is how the Mexicans thought of. A burrito bowl when they came up with we you were eating at a fast food burrito joint. Are you telling it's me called I worry about how good the steak is? It's called Moe's, which is short for Mojave Desert, which is where Mexican food originated. The Mojave Desert's in California. Do some research. Well, yes, California. Part and of that's where Mexican food originated. Mexico. But Chad, look it up. That's we're talking about something that While he's talking, I want everybody to know that's a joke. I know it was originated in Mexico. But that was good. Mo is short for Mojave. <laughs> I thought it was short for Mojito. I just didn't understand your bowl. You had so much on it. It was, it, it was, and I'm not like saying this in a degrading way. I'm just saying like, what makes your mind go? I have 30 minutes to eat this and I want to enjoy this experience. And you go, Put every single liquid that is in here. Like every you, flavor on it. I want every flavor. I like That's all crazy. the different flavors. That's crazy. It's, it's crazy. This, and you know what the beautiful thing about living in the United States of America <coughs> is that you can't. We, we can each be subjective and I enjoy know, what and we I'm enjoy. I'm not saying that either way is better. I always tell people. I'm just saying it's con you're conditioned okay, to do that. I always tell people I'm not picky. I know what I like. If someone put a burger in front of me and said, here, I got you this burger. Here it is with meat and bun. I would eat that burger and be thrilled to eat it. But if I'm going to have the choice myself, I want a flavor explosion, man. Rock and roll, indulge so in that food. All I do is eat. That's, I mean, that's my thing. That's my joy. I'm just saying that 
a flavor explosion can come in the form of good cooking and not condiments being the food being saturated in condiments. Like I am you do not with your disagreeing with yesterday. you. I am not disagreeing. And I think that people that ruin their burger, I'm not saying that I don't like mustard because I'll take a pretzel and dip it in mustard. And I think it's a, like a, a great taste, but what I'm I hearing, like the taste of a pretzel by itself with just salt. I, I think this I, goes right full circle to what you were saying that this is my opinion, but it's really a fact. Well, it is. My opinions are facts. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of my book the go. name of your book my opinions are facts by I Chad think Bellamy. that if you guys disciplined yourself to start eating <laughs> venison and beef burgers with cooked the right way look listen to me made it made the right way smoked the right way finished the right way okay the right texture the right the right thickness the flavor all of it with the right toasted bun and maybe a slice of good Swiss cheese or a good pepper jack or whatever you prefer. I'm a real simple cheese guy. I like a, maybe a piece of Swiss or maybe one little piece of cheddar. I really think that you d- disciplining yourself would turn the corner on needing all of that stuff. People don't ever just go, you know what? I'm going to start eating like this because they, they're conditioned to go, I got to put all this bowl, you know what, on top of this burger. Same with the hot dog. Same with the hot dog. Now, all of a sudden, we can't just have a bowl of chili. We put chili and cheese on top of hot dog. You can't even taste the hot dog. It's called chili cheese dog. That makes no sense. It's this conditioning that people just started slopping things around. It becomes a goulash. That's a goulash burger, a goulash dog. That's the American way. An authentic cook does not need to create goulashes. Now, you can. You wake up at duck camp tomorrow morning. We got all these leftovers. You can make a goulash to get rid of it because I'm also born poor raise poor and i don't want to waste food but to create a goulash from the very get-go and take a good hebrew national hot dog and coat it with i think the only thing that you should ever put on a hot dog if you're going to have one is sauerkraut oh god that's the only thing you are breaking your own rule no i'm just saying if you're going to mix a vegetable if you're going to mix of cabbage and you're going to take a vegetable in that dog I'm saying that 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 those that the flavor of that would be a, a good complementary flavor to a hot dog. I think that if you cover that hot dog with ketchup, mustard, relish, and mayonnaise, that it absolutely destroys the flavor profile of what a hot dog tastes like when it has the right char on it. I think you are anti-condimentite. 100% I am. I think that sauerkraut is not a condiment. I look at it as an, a, a vegetable. But you said sauerkraut is delicious with you, just a fork. You said earlier hot dogs should just be the dog and the toasted bun. Yep. And if I'm going to get crazy one night, I'm going to put a little sauerkraut on my dog if I want to mix it up. But I love a hot dog on a bun, and I like to eat it as soon as it comes off the grill, hot as hell. And I love to slam it. I don't like to sit there and take a bite and put it down my butt. A hot dog that gets a little lukewarm or cold to it is ruined. Well, then it's a lukewarm dog and not a hot dog. Yeah, it's got to be hot and it's got to be eaten fast. Like Kobayashi style, wham, Joey Bones. Why do you like Why do you like sauerkraut on it? Because you like the dimension of the flavor of the two different flavors. Sauerkraut tastes nothing like a hot dog. I like I like sauerkraut on its own, but I also think that it can complement the the actual hot dog. It won't complement a hamburger. It will complement a hot dog. It won't complement a pork chop. It will complement a hot dog. You do not put sauerkraut on a hot dog. I do. 
If I'm, if I'm going to put anything on a hot dog, it would be sour. That's all I said. If I'm going to put anything on a hot dog, it's going to be sauerkraut. I love sauerkraut. If you look at a hot dog that a kid makes that's five, that's how you guys want to eat them. Ketchup, mustard, relish, mayo, pick all this stuff on it. You can't taste the hot dog. Kids hate to taste the hot dogs because they're cow. I mean, every part that you don't want to eat. I mean, they might like it a little bit, but it's because they put all that crap on it. That's how you're saying you should eat them, like a five-year-old you does. You were going back. You were actually making the point I was making earlier, that you're taking a meat that may not be a high-quality meat, and you're making it palatable. No, you're, you're making, making it palatable to a five-year-old. Right, to anybody. No, you don't need to eat like that when you start to get a sophisticated palate. Jack, you're shaking your head a lot here. You agree He's not shaking you. his head. I agree a lot with Joel right now. That you need condiments on a hot dog? You don't need... Okay, so what I think You is, need condom, is, condiments well, okay. on a hot dog. Listen, when you eat a hot dog or a burger for the first time, you're probably getting it pretty damn plain, right? Like, if you so. were to ever order your first cheeseburger, you're not that's getting all that That's the point, is that it. you're conditioned by looking at pictures, and it's got okay, all that crap Okay, but no, what if you just like to try new things, because and you like other flavors on top that's of the it? Whole, that's the whole point of this conversation, Jack Orlandi, is that we don't, because we are conditioned from the get-go, that that is how you're supposed to eat a hamburger and a hot dog and a, a steak with sauce on it, all of that stuff. The, the, the true chefs, in my opinion... And I'm not saying that they don't get creative because they got to have a menu. But if you go to Wolfgang Puck and you say, make me an omelet, it's going to be simple. If you say, make me a steak, it's going to be salt and pepper. It's going to be simple. If you say, make me your favorite. Now he's going to say, well, I got to offer the sauce and this asparagus and this Oscar and all this because I'm at a high-end steakhouse in La Perry. Of course, I got to have that on the menu. Mushrooms and all this other shit. But if you went to him and said, hey, Gordon Ramsay, What's the best burger? He'd say salt and pepper and a toasted bun. I'm just guessing because they're simple. Good chefs are simple. The simplicity of cooking is the complexity of, of perfection in cooking. My opinion, we go too far with adding all this crap that absolutely takes the experiment out or the experience, not experiment experience out of the meat. And in wild game, we take all, we go to the point of saying, all right, to make a duck taste good, we've got to do a ton of stuff. And do we get creative with our ducks? Yes, because I feel like we need to show people a bunch of different ways to cook duck. But we don't put sauce on our ducks. We don't cover it in ketchup. We might make an Asian flair to it. We might make a Mexican flair to it. We might put it in jalapeno and cream cheese and wrap it in bacon, though. I don't. Uh, if you show me cream cheese, I'm out the door. Like, you have no idea how to cook if you use cream cheese. Like, you live in your mom's basement if you ever even touch that stuff. <laughs> a lot of duck hunters are living in their mom's basement yeah because they've been conditioned what's your favorite way to eat duck well, i like them poppers well no shit you know why because that's what every duck hunter says because you can't taste because they duck. never thought outside the box oh, how many times do you make poppers a year once if once if not once not exactly but duck hunters have been conditioned to wrap them in bacon with a jalapeno and some white weird cheese it's not right. cream all cheese right. weird all cheese all right look my goose, which is arguably the best goose I've ever tasted, has three ingredients. It's I love cooking wild game in a simplistic way. I love now we're it. getting back to me winning this. Heart. My facts. I, no, my you're not going to. No, you're not. No, I, that's 
I love cooking simplistically. You know why I love to cook simplistically? Because that's the way you can convince someone else to try it. If you overload somebody who's brand new with 8 million different ingredients and things to do, they're just going to say, screw it. I'm not doing it. So I love a simple way to do something. However, that does not contradict the fact that you can expand the flavor palette of food by introducing sauces or sides or condiments or whatever you'd like to call them or textures. That is just a part of the flavor experience that you don't like. My wife, we go to, to a restaurant and we, if we both order a burger, mine's got 16 different ingredients on it. She looks at the waiter or waitress and says, meat, cheese, bun. And she's hot. <laughs> That's probably why, because she's eating so many fewer calories per year because she doesn't eat all the sauces on it. She's not just hot. She's a freaking genius. And you just proved it. Like, her opinions are facts. <laughs> Opinions are facts. My opinions are facts. <laughs> oh my goodness uh, sakes. I guess uh, it's I guess we could agree to disagree, but I know that I'm right. <laughs> good. We should agree to disagree so we can move on to how we made that awesome speckle belly goose tonight. So the spec with comes, a fantastic the spec is, sherry reduction. Okay, I'm gonna start with we used a little bit of Napa Valley olive oil as a baster, which we did because we scored the skin a little bit. Scoring is a cool method of sharp knife slicing the skin just to so you can i guess get the flavor to the meat well, it bleed it bleeds the uh fat out the cone fee the cone fee it bleeds that fat out onto the skin which helps it get crispy it's a beautiful way to oh, cook it's duck wonderful. and goose nice golden brown foul rub by the provider with the napa valley olive oil to start traeger set at 240 degrees 20 minutes at 240 turned it up to 3 340 and put it on there for 15 more minutes. At that time, we started our skillet at a high heat, probably 600 degrees on the cast iron propane burner. But at this time, I'm going to let Joel talk about what he used for his stuffing that we put inside the cavity. Well, this goes back to what we were talking about a little bit before, which when you're at camp, you got to use what you have. You know, we're staying, we stayed in, at an Airbnb or a cottage or a cabin and there's always leftover spices, leftover things in the cabinets. And I like to use stuff to get creative. And, you know, we have the outlaw chips, which are phenomenal. And outlaw got, snacks. Outlaw snacks. God, they're, they're, they're unbelievable. Which flavor do you use? I use the spicy ranch. You were the green talking bag. about ranch before. I used the spicy ranch, so I took a handful of those, put them in a Ziploc, and literally pulverized them with the palm of my hand into a powder, like basically a powder, shredded powder. And I used that with some ground elk. Uh, so we had ground elk, and then I put the pulverized ranch in there as a binder, uh, ranch chips, outlawed uh, ranch chips as a binder instead of using you know croutons or breadcrumbs i thought we could add a flavor dimension to it you're going to still have the still the the binding uh, power of the dried corn tortilla in there and then i used one egg and a little bit of heavy cream uh, and made what really would have been like a ranch style meatloaf if it cooked on its own but we stuffed the cavity of the speckabelly goose with that before we put it on the traeger that is in the cavity and it's obviously smoking and cooking on the traeger we turn it up to 340 and that starts to cook pretty good 
And then we knew going into it that we were going to use the method of flash frying those that stuffing before we served it. But then here we go again, being unorthodox. Once we get the speck off, the skin's perfect. We got a perfect score in it. We got a perfect sear. We got reverse sear on it, crispy skin. It's sizzling. It's glowing. It's almost like crystallization. Like it's so pretty when it does it right yeah, it with, that, with that foul rub. But we take the stuffing out, and then that's when we go to the next step of our dinner tonight, which turned out unbelievable. We took that stuffing, and we took the rest of the leftover pulled Canada goose. Yep. And we mixed it in your speckle belly sauce that you had made. I made a sherry Now, what was the sherry reduction. sauce? I started out with a very little bit of a roux, which goes against the rules of a reduction. A reduction is not supposed to have a roux, uh, but I wanted it a little thicker than a reduction, and I didn't have the time to uh, continue uh, continue simmering it until it lost enough of its liquid. So I started with a very small roux of butter and Wondra flour, just a, a teaspoon or so of Wondra flour butter. Then I used a cooking sherry. I used some Jack Daniels in there to, uh, because that's going to give it a nice extra bite. A little lemon juice, and then we used some... Uh, one of the seasonings, I, I think it was fowl that I used in there as well. Yeah, I know you put some more Which has kind of got like a, a bit of a sweet, salty thing back and forth on it. And and then I just stir that. You keep stirring it. Make sure that the, the flour roux is completely dissipated. In, and over time, there's that chemical reaction where it will start to thicken that sauce very slightly. And we used butter as the base of our roux. So you're going to have that richness of the butter in it as well and that also adds a little bit of salt we used salted butter and i'm telling you i mean we just had a half hour discussion about sauces yes or no and condiments yes or no but the guys you know the guys who were out in the field with us today and just got back from scouting with they thought the sauce was unbelievable and i thought the sauce tasted unbelievable too it was great it was that i mean it's good but the spec didn't need it is all i was trying to say i the spec the speckle belly goose is such a high quality. It did not enhance need. it. Let's admit it. It never needs it. it. Is that opinion a fact? That's that's your de- that's your definition of enhance. Jack, did the speck need the sauce? No, but I think eating the same thing over and over again gets boring. So why not mix it up? You very and do rarely have eaten that it. skin on spec. That's a delicacy. And I'm just saying it deserves to be on its own. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh but it was it was not needed but i liked what we did with it after with now you got the bar the homemade barbecue sauce mixed with your homemade reduction sauce mixed with pulled canada goose mixed with your stuffing and then we say all right well we ate asian food the other night in syracuse and growing up poor I kept the bell peppers and the onions off of the beef dish. I kept the rice and I kept some of the sesame chicken, which we didn't use the sesame chicken for this, but we took that rice, put a little water on it, put it in the microwave, softened it up and made the guys a plate of rice with that goulash. goulash That's legit goulash. Leftovers. Yes. Old Canada goose. And what was the base of your stuffing again? What meat? Elk. Ground, Ground elk, elk and Canada goose goulash. Over a bed of white rice. Canada goose and speckle belly goose goulash. Over a bed of rice. In a sherry wine reduction. 
and it turned out awesome. It was awesome. And that's how you cook. Like delicious. Those guys were going nuts. And not there. one of them put ketchup on it. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, Jack, I'm, I'm not going to tell them that the ketchup was the base for the barbecue sauce. <laughs> well, it is for all barbecue sauces, yes. pretty much. Yes, it is. I yes, like a good barbecue sauce, but I'm also anti-barbecue sauce on almost all barbecue. <laughs> I like dry rubs. You'll mess a brisket up with barbecue sauce. I prefer dry rubs myself, but I what do. What do you like barbecue sauce on? A pulled pork sandwich, maybe? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. With pickles. I like a Western burger. What's the best barbecue fried there ring is on it? Besides burn-ins, which is obviously the best. The best barbecue sauce? I make... No, what's the best barbecue? Oh. Best meat for barbecue. What's your favorite barbecue? I really love a brisket, but but really? baby back that's ribs. My, that's my least favorite. Ba- I'm a pork. I'm a rib guy. Ba- baby back. You really can't go wrong with baby. Have back you ever ribs. had a girl or a guy ever tell you that they don't like eating meat off the bone? Like they will not bite a chicken leg. Or I have a chicken heard thigh? that before. Isn't that weird? I have. I've seen people take a fork and a knife to chicken wings before. Yeah, isn't that weird? That's I've weird. seen many people do that's wings. weird. That's kind of different. Like they will not eat meat off the bone. Well, and you know, we should talk a little bit about it because we are in the heart of where a buffalo. We're going to do an episode this week after Wednesday when we go to this badass joint for buffalo wings. We're, we're. I'm I'm a transparent dude, and I never put that together until it was mentioned tonight. I thought that buffalo wild wings invented them. I'm just kidding, but I didn't know that they. I didn't know it was because of Buffalo, New York. I had no idea. You thought buffalo. I had wings. Not. I thought buffaloes had wings. <laughs> Bison. <laughs> but you no, know, pigs I, can fly. Not I never buffaloes. knew that Buffalo, New York, was buffalo. the was the the was the home of wings, hot that's, wings. That's, what I told you on the way here. that's why they're called buffalo, buffalo wings. Buffalo has the best wings in all the U.S. I wonder why I didn't put any of this. Was I listening? I I don't remember you saying that. Maybe I was on my 19th hour driving in a row. Well, they used to throw buffalo. They they used to throw the wings away at the at the chicken processing facilities. They would quarter them up. You get your dark meat, your white meat, and the wings would go in the trash. And so, as the folklore goes, some guys who lived in Buffalo started just you know keeping the wings, and they'd go to the bar after their shift. And they'd have them deep fried and put hot sauce on them. And that's why they're called buffalo wings. They're from Buffalo, New York. That's the story. Okay, I want to I want to make sure that we're clear. We're going to do an episode on buffalo wild wings or buffalo wings after this week when we have them on Wednesday. We're going to some place that's got unreal wings in this part of New York. Sounds awesome. I can't believe we're hunting in New York. It's so cool to say that. I love that's that. That's so bizarre. I'm coming here every year. I really like this that. Is I really America. like it. These guys are cool. Um Let's make sure that this recipe, the the spec was to stand on its own. Now, we did cut up some, and there was some leftover, and we ended up throwing the goulash. But the spec was meant to be like steak on its own with skin on, medium rare, 130 degrees. Let it sit for 15 minutes, 12 minutes, and we slice it, and it was awesome. Tastes like Wagyu beef. It was unreal. Yeah. Without Real the tender, Without too. that sauce. Um, Real tender. Better with the sauce. Not even close. Um, Except ugly, a little. Ugly with the sauce, too delicious it almost looked like vomit very pretty shiny kind of okay whatever um great appeal for so the let's camera. make sure we understand the recipe of the goulash this is how cool oh it is you, you heard us in the, the the episode about pulled canada goose <laughs> then we have our elk ground right and then what was the what was the reduction 
And we had the outlaw, the out, the pulverized the outlaw now chips. Now we use pulverized right. chips. You could use Doritos. You could use whatever you have. Get some outlaw you snacks. cornflakes. All three flavors at Sam's Club or Costco. Outlaw snacks. Look for look for them at Instagram. At outlaw snacks on Instagram. Um, But I just want to make sure that they understand that recipe of giving them an idea. You can make up your own reduction sauce or your own gravy, whatever sauce sure. you're doing. But that meat, that ground elk mixed with that pulled Canada goose over rice with that reduction sauce on it. It was really fantastic. It was so good. It was so good. It was so good. And you, you know, get creative like that. But I think you right now are admitting the multitude of flavors altogether ended up being really tasty. I'm not saying that it wasn't. I ate very little of it. That's a fact. Um, but the speck is what blew my mind tonight. I love speck. Me too. I like being Best able to say that tasted. we shot that goose out of the air and plucked it and put dry rub on it and it tastes like that. Yeah, that was unbelievable. That's pretty cool. Really cool. You don't need to do much with it. It looked like a miniature elongated chicken. Jack, did we get good footage today of the Canada geese? Badass footage. We did, really? Yes, sir. What Big does badass flocks. mean? Big flocks. Big honkers, multiple flocks landing just in the decoys, 15, 20 yards. Good group of hunters, fun group of hunters. Great hide. I thought it was pretty cool. If you were standing in the decoys and you're looking at the standing corn we were in, and you could see that, those first couple rows of the bent corn. I mean, everyone was hidden until they popped out, obviously. I just, standing corn's a really good hide. Big flocks of big honkers. Don't really get to see that many places, I don't think. It was beautiful standing corn hunt. The greenhead gear decoys, Joel, did they look phenomenal today? Did they work? What I like about them is that they have a a certain texture to them that was even highlighted when they got wet. You you know, you talked about it earlier, but the uh the texturing and the painting on the decoys and the fact that the ghg decoys move so much easier than any other full body decoy just a little wobble just in the a, the, and that and that wobble adds to the realism and that's what sells the geese on putting their boots down and you can see it you see it so many times and that's why wind is such a factor in hunting uh in waterfowl hunting not only does it give them direction for landing, it gives them ease of use for landing, but it also uh, livens your, your decoy spread. And when you have got those decoys even moving slightly, that realism does not, the realism of that decoy moving, I don't think, it doesn't trigger their instinctive reflex of fear um, for whatever reason. I mean, Everybody who waterfall hunts has been sitting there thinking they have a perfect hide, thinking they have a perfect decoy set up, and those geese come and come and come, and they're locked up, locked in, getting skinny, and all of a sudden at that last second, they're like, something ain't right. And you can watch, it's almost like you can watch it on their face because you're seeing the white of their cheeks. And at that point, right then, right when you're about to call the shot in the next second, second and a half, two seconds, and they peel on you, and you just can't tell what it is. Very often, if you have some decoy movement whatsoever, that helps for that final commitment. I agree. And no sheen. You want to make sure no that sheen. you're not having any there sheen. There was no sheen when they no. got wet today. They were beautiful. And a lot of that, 
Could have been a sheen. Yeah, that's like no sheen, no like, shininess. It's like shininess, sheen. Like Martin Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Winning. Winning. Emilio Estevez Sheen. sheen. Brother in law. You crazy son bitch. Sanchez, you crazy. What young guns? Yeah, I don't remember, remember that. I do remember the movie. You don't remember that line? I don't. Oh God. That was Kiefer Sutherland, Emilio Estevez, Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips. And John Bon Jovi sang the song. Great band. Going down. One of the top three worst bands of all time. <laughs> Them, oh, you Pearl don't like Jam. Bon Jovi? Here's the worst bands of all time. Oh, my goodness. Pearl Jam, Nickelback. Nickelback, Bruce Springsteen, and Bon Jovi. I'm with you on Bruce Springsteen. Oh, my God. He's I'm not a fan. A I am not a fan. He's so bad. <laughs> oh, glory days. Adam Sandler sings better than him when he impersonates Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I know that the boss is going to hear this and oh, be upset, but I'm no. Sure he will. Not going to Broadway to watch you, Brucey. Or you, Nickelback. But Nickelback had some major, major hits, and they didn't really give a shit, but God, they're just terrible. Dude, and I'd rather great. watch, I'd rather listen to Yoko Ono than freaking Eddie Vedder. <laughs> If Rockstar comes on the radio right now, I guarantee every single person in like this county could sing that song. 100%. And it's terrible. And it's terrible. The but we all love drugs it. in the dressing room. But we all love it's it. It's so elementary. We all love it, though. They're like the vanilla ice yes. of rock and roll. Yes. <laughs> Truly. Well, they're the worst band ever from Canada, so for sure. So they're, they're basically like food without any condiments. No, they're food with every condiment. You put every you put you put every flavor of sucks on that, and that's Nickelback. You follow what I'm saying? And I don't know any other songs. I'm gonna be your It's it's everybody knows that song. I don't give a shit. Everybody knows "Born in the USA." That's true, but there's only four words in that whole song. Yeah, and there's only freaking four brain cells left to freaking understand rock star. By Def Leppard? Come on. No, you better watch. Oh, I'm thought you'd ever talk like that about Def Leppard. <laughs> That's a band. Rick Allen, car wreck, one arm drummer. I saw, him, I saw him in concert right very soon after he lost his arm. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the first day of goose hunt some more up here in upstate New York, Basswood Lodge, Nick McNamara. Our buddy Matt Williams got us dialed in. This is awesome. It's just so neat to know that we're in upstate New York in September and to see the fire in these guys' eyes about how much they love it. Yeah. These guys have been out at 20 years. Even, they Nick, are the real deal. There's no faking it. They are as excited. I as love the fact that they're not faking Christmas it about, morning. about hunting, but they also genuinely love this air, like where we're at. You don't see that a lot with guides or you don't. I'm not saying they don't. I'm not saying that you don't go hunting anywhere and people are like infatuated, but you don't go to Wichita and have a guy being like, this is the shit. Kansas rocks. You know, you don't hear that. These people are like, if you don't like big red, then you, you know, like they got that kind of attitude. Did about you, New but York. Did you see that view on top of that hill tonight? When <coughs> oh, we were beautiful. scouting the, uh, the contour of this land out here. I don't think anybody would think of New York and think you can stand on a foothill overlooking miles and miles and see the Amish country and the churches and the barns. I mean, the Wisconsin milk barn style houses. We were probably looking at Canada. 
Yeah, there's a strong chance we could see Canada from that hill. No, no doubt about it. We get to maybe go to Canada next year after the news that came out that today. That is very exciting. If we go to Canada, I say we make a pact to find Nickelback and just tell Chad and them that they suck. <laughs> Let's get Nickelback to play at Take Em Outfitters. Can I go bear hunting that night? Naked? No. What? No. What do you say? Bear? Na- what do you say? Go bear? <laughs> go bear. Go bear, hunting. bear hunting. Oh, like a black bear hunting. Like a yes. Yeah. You'd want to shoot a bear? I've. I've, That's weird. I've killed five bears. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, they're fantastic. <laughs> Delicious table fare. Huh? Fantastic. Jim Shockey told me that one time on this podcast. I said, Jim, let me tell you something. They're you delicious. and your black cowboy hat. I'll outcook you any day of the week, twice on Sunday. He said, I know you will, Chad. I said, That's a fact. It's my opinion, Jim, that I'll outcook you. He said, I believe you. But bear, black bear, is the best table fare. I completely None of that's agree. true. I didn't say any of that. I love Jim Shockey. But he said, that he would put his black bear up against anything I cook. Mm-hmm. That'd be in it. I would like to be a taste tester at that table. I would absolutely 100% dip bear and ketchup. <laughs> you probably would. <laughs> you probably coat it, coat it in, in a ketchup reduction. I don't know if we're going to be able to, um, top this trip this is gonna be a tough trip top i don't there's something about this area that's infectious it's it is the Mecca. i love where you guys are from it's the Mecca. i love illinois even though the the game laws whoa, whoa, laws whoa. Are, but but wisconsin wisconsin all right i know but jacksonville illinois, i love illinois but wisconsin was cool but it ain't like this i don't have the pride in wisconsin mm-hmm. i have here all of a sudden what i don't know if it's because no. of 9-11 either like i think about 9-11 a lot and we're up here because yeah. of 9-11 because you had a 40 watt decoy in your face yeah. Yeah, you get four or five. Big wads oh, of these molt migrators. Fantastic We're going to have Nick McNamara on the show this week and talk about what is a molt migrator. What does he mean? It was pretty interesting to hear the ocean and the mountains today, how this is a funnel. It's going to be a good week. We have one. We have seven full days of hunting left. Yeah. It'd be cool if we could cut out the rain that's coming tomorrow. But we'll give it our best. I like podcasting every day after the hunt because it's fresh on our mind. And that hunt today was vivid. We're going to talk about it. We're going to keep talking about it. It was unbelievable. The dew on the alfalfa, the big flocks, the the vocalizations, how you could hear them, and just the echo and the great calling. Spencer was a stud on the call. You sounded good today, Joel. We sounded good on the calls. Um just everything came together. Duff worked good. Their dog worked good. You need to ask Nick if molt migrators have a different call because they sounded, those geese, those Canada's, and they're Canada jumbos. They're, they're the same type of geese we're shooting in Wisconsin, but they sounded different. It a, a higher pitched, a higher pitched honk today. I didn't think so. I thought they sounded like geese. Are they not darker? There were some dark ones. There were yeah. some light ones, but there were some dark ones for sure. Yeah. They're that pretty... might have something to do with the molting. Yeah, right. I, that's I what I'm curious about. I, don't, I haven't seen geese like that. I don't think they were killed geese like that, at least. I, may, maybe part of what it was today is we, we so often were hearing the honking of the geese in such large natural flocks. It was just, it was different. It was bizarre. It was very it was cool. Neat. Jack was fired up. We got Everybody's a lot of days fired to have, up. 
We'll have more coming at you. The Foul Life Podcast, another episode brought to you by the provider. Finish what you started. Speckle Belly Goose, Canada, Pulled Canada Goose, Elk Ground, Joel's Reduction Sauce, which might as well be ketchup. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Totally kidding. It was delicious. Wow. If you like sauces and don't know how to cook. Um, <laughs> Sauce. The, the better rice. The crutches of food. Natty and Ryan ate with us. They loved it all. And thank you to Jack Daniels. We we had to have a little bit of Jack Daniels tonight, and we had the new Coy Hill small batch. It's unbelievable. High, high proof. It was so good. Little bit will do you, and we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the company, the kinship, the camaraderie, the socializing, the stories, the memories. That's what hunting camp is all about. We're having a blast up here. Upstate New York. I keep saying it. I think it's awesome that we're in New York, and uh, we don't take it for granted. Can't wait to wake up tomorrow, go back to work. Got a lot coming at you this week with the podcast, the TV, our social media on Instagram, at the Foul Life TV, at the Provider Life. Check out our sister podcasts, podcasts, brand new episodes of Where the Pavement Ends, This Life Ain't for Everybody, Anna V's American Wing Shooting, and Jennifer Swenson and Anna V's 40 Years to Freedom, Joel's Midwest Foul Life podcast, brand new episodes coming this week. Brand new episodes of the Foul Life airing right now exclusively on the Outdoor Channel, Benelli's The Foul Life. We're going to be with J.J. Randolph and his stepdad, Michael, up at Wild Nebraska in Torrington, Wyoming, on the Nebraska border. We're going to be with John Shaw at Hagerman Wings Farms in Hagerman, Idaho. We're going to be with Larry Freeman and Ryan Zegers at Black Goose Outfitters, chasing big Canadas in Nebraska. Then we're going to skip over to Iowa and Missouri and hunt the spring migration, the reverse migration in the conservation season for snows and blues it's a blast can't wait for y'all to see the brand new episodes thank you to benelli thank you to federal thank you to mojo and realtree and bandit and avery and greenhead gear check out the sponsors page at the and make sure please support the partners and sponsors that support us and all of the other hunting entities and brands that you watch michael waddell lee and tiffany ted nugent support the companies non-endemic companies that are not in our area and not in our sector not in our space that support our space and our culture That's one great reason to support these companies that we're always talking about because they support this lifestyle and the culture of the American hunter, the American fisher, the American conservation, the gatherer, the provider. That's what we are. We're put on earth to work and provide for our families. I'm Shad Belding for Jack Orlandi and Joel Clayfish. We'll be back at you this week with more episodes of the Foul Life Podcast. In the meantime, check out this song, 2 a.m. Logic, My Foul Life.